The following sermon podcast is a glimpse into the community of Central Bible Church, where we strive to welcome everyone into Jesus' life. We hope that you can join us for this Sunday service as we gather together seeking to live in and for Christ. say something really quick. I feel so emotional today. It's just going to be a rough day. Um, Eleanor and those of you that have been here for a decade or more, I've only been here three years, but I just want you all to know that I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God to this church, but I am also thankful for your faithfulness to this church. I wouldn't be here today without you guys. Um, So thank you for that. Um, It's been a while since I've read the scriptures for us, but uh, we're going to continue in our worship with the reading of the word today. And Oshawa and Andrew are going to preach today from John 15. So if you all want to turn there, I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. And Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, 
he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here, along with Oshawa, both pastors of teaching. He and I had this whole bit where we were going to pretend like we didn't know the other person was preaching, and it was going to be so funny. (laughs) We'll we'll save that for another time. So this morning, uh, we're kind of having a a special, unique service. We're going to have a lot of firsts, doing things this morning that we haven't done. You, You don't see the communion tables up here, and that's because... Oshawa and I are going to do two things that we haven't, um, we haven't always done the best at. Well, the first is that we've never done before, which is we're going to team preach. So pray for us. The second is that we're going to preach a short sermon. <laughs> 20, 25 minutes is what we're aiming for. We've practiced it like five times, and we're pretty close. <laughs> um, the reason the communion tables aren't up here is because when we finish the sermon, the service isn't over. We're going to go downstairs together. We're going to get some exercise in this morning. We're going to, if you need to go get in your car and drive around to the lower lot, we're going to leave about 10 minutes, 15 minutes for that. There's coffee down there. So, and if, if we, there's going to be people outside watching and marking cars that leave, okay? So you're not allowed to leave. Come downstairs with us. Um, we're going to be moving, transitioning our, our main uh, Sunday gathering uh, space to downstairs, hopefully around Easter. So we want to go down there today, get us all to kind of look at what we have in that space. We're going to hear from our very own Kim Stave and Andrew Pratt, kind of dreaming together about what this space could be, uh, and then kind of Andrew will share a bit about what the needs are, what do we need to do to get it ready so that we can be down there by Easter. And then we'll spend, our, spend some time singing together, taking communion, and we'll, we'll have a couple people pray uh, for our transition down in that space, and we're really excited. So it's kind of a unique service. If you're visiting with us, that's what's going on this morning, and we're excited you're here. So today is Vision Sunday. What is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday is a radical focusing in on the fundamental elements of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be his church. Okay, it's a focusing in on what does it mean to follow Jesus. What does it mean to be his church? Those are big questions. So this is kind of a 30,000-foot view of what it means to be his church. And the illustration that I want you to kind of keep in the back of your mind, as Oshawa and I share this morning, is that of a trellis and a vine. Okay, you think about a trellis in somebody's backyard. Uh, Trellises come in all different shapes and sizes. Some have been well taken care of. Some are old and falling apart. Um, But the trellis is a structure And the trellis exists for the life of the vine to grow and spread, right? And so as we relate that uh, illustration to church life, we see that the trellis is the church structures. So we have things like the Sunday morning gathering, right? This is a structure, a time and place that we meet uh, to celebrate what God has done throughout the week together. We have ministries. uh, The building itself, right, is a structure, a literal physical structure, So we have these different structures in place. And then we have the vine, right? The vine is the people. It's you and it's me. The life of the church is seen in flourishing relationships with Christ through experiencing his presence personally and in community. That's the vine. The trellis exists for that vine. So in the life of the church, in the life of the church, 
<clears throat> it is the heart, the vine is what is alive, whereas the trellis is not alive. The trellis is not the foundation or the heart of life and ministry, but it is necessary and it is essential. The trellis helps to support and buttress the vine. Well-built trellises help vines grow tall and wide, but poor trellises can hamper the growth and the trellis work can actually end up distracting from the important work of tending to the vine. So that's the working illustration that we want you to be thinking of this morning. Because vine work, people work, is paramount and it takes precedence over trellis work, working on the church structures, the question we want to ask now is, what does it mean to focus on vine work? Thank you, Andrew. So we're going to jump into John chapter 15, but let's uh, pray first. So join me. Lord Jesus, it is good to be together as your people, and uh, it is good to consider your faithfulness to us, as well as how through your spirit your people have been faithful through these many years. And would you lead us now as we look ahead uh, to what you are doing in our church and in our community. Please help us, Lord Jesus, be faithful to your word and to bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, turn with me to John 15. This is that well-known passage, right, of the Jesus as that, as the vine. It's a metaphor from the Hebrew Scriptures where uh, God talks about his people, Israel, being this vine, and he applies it then to the disciples, to us. He says, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. And those of us who are followers of Jesus are those branches that are connected in, that are, that are receiving our life and our sustenance from Jesus. That's a picture of the church. It's not a building, right? It's a community of people that are organically connected to one another because we're organically connected to Jesus. And in this passage of John 15, we'll be able to answer that question. What is the main thing? What is that simple, most basic form? What is it that we are to be about as a church? Okay, and we're going to unpack it in, in, in two points. The promise for our life as a church, and then the plan for our life as a church. So first, the promise for our life. We see here in John 15 that every good thing in our life and in our church comes as we abide in Christ. Look at just verse 3 and 4 with me. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So Christ's word has made us clean. Right? His word to us is not judgment. It is not condemnation. It is a welcome. It's an invitation into his family. And this goes all the way back to creation, right? We see God speaks and it happens. Let there be light, right? And there was light. And so Jesus says, you are clean. And it is true. And it is accomplished by his very words to us. And so our shame, our guilt is taken away. We are welcomed into his family or in this image of the vine. We are grafted in from this, this thorny, dead bramble. He takes us and he grafts us into the vine and gives us new life. And so as we abide in Christ, right, this is the foundation of everything we're going to say this morning, is that we have been made clean 
by his word and by being grafted in to him. And so, apart from a complete and utter reliance upon Christ, we cannot accomplish anything of eternal significance, individually or as a church. But if we as a church abide in Christ, he says, you will bear much fruit. Much fruit. So what does that mean? to abide in Christ. Look at verse 9 with me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, in you and that your joy may be full. We abide in Christ as we receive his word of love to us. We obey his word of love, right? Not by just rule keeping out of fear of condemnation or out of somehow trying to be good enough to earn his favor or his blessing. No, we abide in Christ. And here, this is one of our main points, that we abide in Christ by joyfully living into his presence and by joyfully living out his presence in the world. And we're going to unpack those, those two points now. So we abide in Christ when we joyfully live into his presence and when we live out his presence in the world. What does it look like to live into his presence? Abiding has to do with obeying, right? It's obedience. <laughs> obedience is key, but it's not rule following. So we obey him and we bear fruit by focusing on practicing his presence, experiencing his presence in our daily lives. By living into his presence in intimate relationship with Christ, we abide in him and we bear that good fruit. But notice that the focus isn't on the bearing the fruit. That's not the focus. Rather, it's on the relationship that we have in Christ as those who have been grafted into the vine. The fruit or the obedience is the result of a relationship, of an experiencing his presence in regular disciplines. The vine needs nourishment, right? It needs light, it needs water to thrive and to bear fruit. And so we live into his light and we receive his nourishment by experiencing his presence. So what does it look like? We practice living into his presence through spirit-filled prayer throughout the day as we engage our coworkers, neighbors, friends, as we read his life-giving word, and as we rest in solitude and in community during Sabbath. This is how we dig our roots down deep to receive the nourishment we need from Jesus. When we focus too heavily on the obedience or the bearing the fruit, and we put the cart before the horse, we can easily end up appearing like we're trying to tie new fruit to an old dead branch. It doesn't work. Simple obedience apart from Christ's presence is not what he's called us to. Look at verses 14 and 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. We're his friends. You think about a working relationship with your boss. 
Some of us have good relationships with our boss, but in this time, what he's referring to is a very distant relationship. It's very transactional. And what Jesus is saying here is that we've gone from a works-based, kind of purely transactional relationship with God, where there's no intimacy, to this deep, intimate friendship with the Father. The working is no longer the focus in the relationship. It's the friendship that's the focus. It's the companionship with God and what he's called us to be. So how do you engage in your relationships with good friends? Right? You listen to one another. You, you speak to each other. You talk to each other. You receive love and you give love. That's the kind of experiencing his presence that we're talking about. And this is what leads to life. So we live into his presence and then we live out his presence in the world. Look at verse 7 and 8 where we see that illustrated. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so prayer is the connecting point between these, these two, right? We live into Christ's presence and we, through, through prayer, through uh, dwelling with him, being with him, and then we're living out that presence in the world. If we abide in him, whatever fruit we ask for will be given to us. But maybe it's even better to say, if we abide in him, whatever fruit we ask for will be born through us. Because we're the ones bearing the fruit, right? It's not something else that we're getting. God, give this to me. It's God, do this in me so I can do this, so that you would do this through me. So what does that mean to bear fruit? Okay, maybe we're, your, your mind goes to Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that good stuff, right? And, and that's an overflow of moral transformation by the Spirit. That's important. That's good. Is that what John is, is speaking to here? Is that what Jesus is speaking to? Well, look at verse 12, right? So we we know he's talking about love when he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. There's that connection. Love one another as I have loved you. So we know that fruit bearing at least starts with a response to Christ's sacrificial love for us that overflows in sacrificial love for others. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. It's, it's not just a feeling. It doesn't... It's, there's... And there's actually something that happens. Christ's love actually accomplishes something in the world when it's released in and through us. And we see that confirmed if you just do a basic word study on the word fruit in the Gospel of John. It's all over chapter 15, and it appears two other places. Chapter 4 and chapter 12. In both of those passages, fruit-bearing is people who are far from God meeting Jesus and receiving his gift of life and being transformed. They're missional contexts, okay? John 4 is, the, you know, the story of the, the woman at the well, right? The Samaritan woman, the outcast. The Samaritans were already the outcasts to the Jewish people, and then this woman was an outcast among Samaritans. And, and it's a scene where she's radically transformed by Jesus. She shares her testimony with her whole, her whole village, and they're like, we want to meet this Jesus. And they're coming up the mountain, to come and find Jesus. And Jesus turns to his disciples who like didn't even want to go through Samaria and he says, look out, 
The fields are white for the harvest. Don't you see what's happening? God is bringing in the harvest of fruit for eternal life as he sees these people approaching, seeking Jesus. And then in John chapter 12, it's this, the first time the Greeks begin to seek Jesus and these Gentiles are coming in and pressing in, saying, we want to learn from Jesus. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and is buried and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And again, it's the picture of just like Jesus was buried, he died so that the nations could hear the gospel and be grafted into the vine. He says, you too, disciples, you need to die. And when you die, when you lay your life down, you will bear fruit. People will meet Jesus through you. And so, for that, what does it mean to bear fruit? What does it mean to live out his presence? We live out the presence of Christ in the world and bear fruit for God when we are inviting others into the same life-giving relationship that we have with Jesus. That's good. So what's the plan for our church? How does this relate to Central Bible in specific? The first thing that we want to focus on is that we want to recognize that trellis work, right, working on the structure, things like buildings and ministries and so on, that exists primarily for the work of the vine, right? The, the vine work is the primary important work. So we just talked about the vine and the main thing is to live into his presence and then to live out that presence in the world, which means we bear fruit by inviting others into God's presence as we experience it together. So that means then that any work on church structures or trellis work is only necessary insofar as it clearly leads to the flourishing of the vine the life of the church. Jesus gave us the great commission to make disciples, right? To help others meet and know him, to follow him with their whole lives, to make disciples who make disciples. In other words, he's calling us to bear fruit, right? That's what he means, bear good fruit, make disciples. So all of our church structures are filtered through the grid of bearing fruit. We ask ourselves questions like, does this structure, does this thing, does this ministry help us to bear fruit, to make disciples who make disciples. And that kind of helps keep us on the right path. So it's not the program that makes the disciples, right? It's not the, the structure itself. It's also not the, the professional pastors who make disciples for our church, right? It's every single one of us. If you are a Christian, you are called to make disciples. If you are attached to the vine, you will bear fruit, if fruit bearing is other people hearing about Jesus, experiencing his presence in your love and your kindness towards them in relationship, then it necessarily means that you're grafted into the vine. However, in verses 6 through 7, notice God says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you're not bearing fruit, then you're not living into his presence and finding nourishment from his life. And therefore, you aren't truly grafted into the vine. And this is part of the reason that we're spending our spring series on renewal. Right? We're, we're looking at personal, we've been looking at personal renewal. We're examining how we're living, how we're following Jesus. Is it what he's called us to? And in, in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at community renewal, right? Does it make sense 
the way that we're living out his presence in the world. So that's the first thing. The second point, this is the implication, application from our, our text, is we need to recognize that trellis work too often overshadows and distracts from vine work. And maybe you've seen this, right? Trellis work is the programs, the, meeting, the meetings, the committees, and these things can overshadow the work of disciple-making. And this happens especially the more, uh, the older a church gets or the larger a church gets, more traditions and more committees and more ministries build on each other, and it gets complex. And, and, and you, you kind of get, uh, the, the vine gets suffocated in the midst of, of too many meetings and structures and, and programs. And, and there's a reason this happens, I think. I, I, I think we can, we can agree that, that often trellis work can be easier than vine work. Right? Vine work is personal. It requires prayer and sacrifice and, and speaking God's word to another person, risking being embarrassed or, or uh, being rejected, right? For many of us, it's easier to volunteer in a church program than it is to invite our neighbor over for dinner and share with them our testimony of how God has, has shaped our lives. Or maybe it's easier to go to a, a, a church committee meeting than it is to confront a loved one about a sin in their life. Those are the hard conversations. That's, that's the work of the vine. And what can happen is that our church trellis can get so big and complex that we spend all our time and money and energy maintaining a trellis, right? Trying to make things work, keep it up. Not realizing that it's been disconnected from the vine work of actually making disciples who make disciples. We neglect the simple priority of people speaking God's word to one another, helping one another follow Jesus. There's a great illustration of this from uh, the book The Trellis and the Vine by Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. I want to picture this conversation, okay? So a man comes up to you and he says something like, you know, I've, I've been coming a few months here to this church. I feel a little bit disconnected on the outside. I'm not really involved. I would like to get involved. What can I do? What would you think? What would you say? Would you start by thinking of some event or, or program that's about to get started that you could plug him into? They, uh, a role that he could fill? Would you get out the Excel spreadsheet and say, well, we have these jobs to do. You could fit in here. Right? So often, trellis jobs are the things that we think of immediately. Let's plug you into the trellis. Help us build our trellis well. Right? And, and what happens when all the roles are filled up? What if we have enough ushers? What do you do? Well, it's too easy then to just sit back and watch everyone else work on the trellis because there's nothing left for you to do, right? Until, oh, someone, there's a space now. We have a new volunteer space. You can volunteer. What if our focus was vine work? What if our focus was people work? What if you answered that, that gentleman something like this? Well, hey, you, do you see that man over there in the corner sitting alone? That's Susie's husband. He's on the fringe of the church. He, he might not have even passed, stepped over that line of, of faith yet. He's still wrestling through questions of his faith. What if, you, what if I go introduce you to him and you invite him out for breakfast every couple weeks and you guys just study the scriptures together? 
Why don't you just go through the Gospel of John together and help him wrestle through the questions that he has about the faith? Or, or you see that young couple over there? What if you, what if you go and invite them over for dinner and you and your spouse can share with them how God's been faithful to you through your 30 or 40 years of marriage? Because they might be struggling right now. Do you, you see how that cho- totally changes it? And like, let's say you do that. You do those two things and you still have some time. How about you invite your neighbors over for a barbecue? How about you start praying for the people on your street? Not just inviting them to a program or an event, but invite them into friendship with you and with Jesus. This paradigm is is, is a shift. It's a, a radical focusing in on the work of the vine. We're building people. That's the work of the ministry. And it's limitless. So kind of piggybacking off of that, I want to shift from building the building to building the people. While the building we're in right now, this room, was intended to provide structure for the people to flourish, it has over the years, as the decades have gone on, become a bit stifling for us. And it doesn't seem to be serving that original purpose. And so over the years, we've grown increasingly kind of captive to the needs uh, of the building, of the structure, right? The deferred maintenance and those sorts of, sorts of things, putting kind of a financial weight on our shoulders. And that slowly allows the vine to wither and grow weary. And so our life as a church is going to be about engaging in Christ-centered relationships, experiencing His presence personally, and then, and then taking that presence out to our neighbors, And so our move downstairs is an effort to recapture the intended purpose of this trellis. It's to help people, it's to help our people here and and those who come to flourish in an intimate space, right? A warm, inviting space. So all of Sunday church life going forward, when we move downstairs, will happen on the same level, right? That's a win. That's really, really good news. Our kids aren't going to be in the basement, kind of like an afterthought, right? We're all going to be down on the same level. All of Sunday gathering life will be there together. The people in the kitchen aren't going to feel kind of quarantined off making food uh, by themselves. And we'll get to smell the food during the service. That's all. Just bellow it. We'll be in a space. We'll be in a space that's actually going to fit our size, right? We have 120 people in this room typically on a Sunday. Do you know how many people are coded to fit in this room? 1,200. We're a tenth of the size of this room. And so, for just a bit more than the cost of replacing the carpet in this room, we can go downstairs with a new sound system. We can hang our acoustic panels, these, these big black things up here. We can actually use them downstairs, and they'll actually be useful, absorbing the, the, the sound and the echoes. And we can upgrade the aesthetic for just the cost of replacing the carpet in this room. We can move into a space that fits where we're at and is nice for us. So, we want to say, as Eleanor alluded to, that we recognize that God has used this room for the proclamation of the gospel for decades. And it's been a beautiful thing. 
right? He's used this room for God's people to sit under his word week in and week out. And we're not saying that God is done using this room at all. It's easy to get, we recognize that it's easy to get emotionally attached to trellises, to structures that have been around, especially if they've been around for decades. And we recognize that, but we want to remember that the presence of God doesn't exist in this room unless we're in it, right? This room is not sacred until God's people come into this room. And the same thing will be true downstairs. It's us. That's where his presence exists. So that said, we don't know what the future holds for this room, but we feel strongly that we want to fit into a space that fits who we are and where we're at. So we're going to be flexible moving forward. Even with the transition downstairs, we're going to be okay with course correcting, with making mid-course corrections, changing if we need to, if something doesn't work down there. We're going to be okay with that. It's not a setback to change something in our trellis so long as it's going to lead to the flourishing of the vine. And the final point, we want to move from church growth to gospel growth. The reality is that most numeric church growth in America and the church in America comes through Christians and other churches kind of getting tired of their church, looking for the newer or uh, sexier church down the street and going there, right? It's transfer growth. And so we're not particularly interested in growing that way. Though we're not going to turn people away, we want to, if you're visiting with us, we're stoked you're with us this morning. Um, but we're not going to see that as our win when it comes to growing as a church, right? We're going to be focused on experiencing his presence as the win. And so we want to see CB grow one person at a time, experiencing the presence of Christ in their inner lives. And then we want to see that shared among neighbors and friends and coworkers, disciples making disciples. Our goal is not to transplant other vines, right, onto our trellis. Think about how strange it would be for someone with a big, big trellis in their backyard, and they've only got a vine kind of occupying a small portion of that nice, big trellis. And then they go around to their other, their friends and their neighbors, and they start taking some of their vines and putting it on their trellis, right? That, that's just strange, right? That's, that's not what it's meant to be. That's more manufactured growth. We want organic growth, and we want to see that as our win. And so our goal is for the vine to bear fruit, to be healthy by grafting in new branches to our vine. Is this working? Are we doing it? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so in closing, I want to commission us. John 15, 16 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So we are calling our church to be disciples who make disciples. We are calling each of us to take ownership of structures. Of, and we're going to do a, a big building project downstairs. And that's a trellis project. So we're not saying it's bad. But we're saying we take ownership of our trellis. But we are really excited about seeing this vine flourish and grow and bear fruit. That organic growth of this church as we pray for the, seek, speak God's word to one another. And so let's together live in 
to his presence as we abide in him, and then let's live out that presence in this world. Let's pray together as we close. Jesus, you have commissioned us. You said, go and bear fruit, God. And you have, you've called us to abide in you, and then you've promised, you have promised that if we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. And so we, in faith, will walk in that. God, that the, the days of fruit bearing for Central Bible Church are not over. God, because our promise rests in you. And you will fulfill it. And so we lift that to you, Lord Jesus. Help us now to walk faithfully uh, in what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Oshawa and Andrew. All right, so we're going to trans, uh, transfer. We're going to move downstairs. Um, and we are going to finish the second half of our service. Um, if you have kids, now is not the time to get your kids. We'll uh, let people get their kids after we're done downstairs with um, a little bit more uh, kind of talking and our communion and some prayer and some more uh, time of worship through song. And this is, I really, really want to encourage you, don't miss out on moving downstairs. I know it's easy to slip out because you've got other plans or you have lunch plans. I just really want to encourage you. Uh, we're going to go out this back door. And then we're going to go down the stairs in the northeast side of the building. And we're going to walk down into the main room downstairs. It is still a construction zone. And it will be for a few more weeks or a few more months. And we perfectly, where we left it on purpose to be kind of constructive zoning because we want you to see what it will be, but also how much work there is still to do and how we need everybody in this room to pitch in and to help. Let's be really careful. Some of our, um, our older people are going to be walking down the stairs. Let's not rush down the stairs at once. Let's patiently go down and allow people to go at the pace that they would like to go. And if you want to go out to your cars, that's great. Go out to your car, get in it, go all the way down onto 90th, turn left onto 90th, down, take a left into the bottom parking lot, and there'll be some great parking down in the lower parking lot. And those doors, uh, the former Joy Central uh, doors will be open and ready for all of you as you come down. And also as a reminder, there will be coffee down there. If you get down there really early, um, grab some coffee, grab a seat. And then when you go into the seats, we're only using, we're using the padded chairs, not pews, because we don't want to take a bunch of pews down there and then have to move them back up for the next two months. And move into the center, please. I know it's really easy to like kind of leave space in between everybody, but there's only 120 chairs and I counted 117 of you today. So, you're going to have to scoot in tightly, all right? I love you, and we'll see you down there. We desire to be formed by the Word of God in community. If you have questions about this week's sermon, we would love to hear from you. For more information about our church, please visit centralbible.church.